discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Welcome to night two of Six Nights of Grace. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. So I'm going to be talking about the grace of God. Say the grace of God. And I'm going to make an attempt to explain it from the very beginning. Okay? So in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, Paul begins by saying, he says, for this cause, meaning that he was talking about something, isn't it? So if you like, you can read from... uh, chapter 2, to have more understanding, but I'll go to chapter 2 as we go on, so don't worry so much about it. It's my last, chapter 2 is my last but one verse, okay? So it's for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, for you who? Gentiles. Who is a Gentile? Someone who is without, who is not a Jew, okay? Anyone who is not a Jew is what? So, so are Ghanaians Gentiles? Yeah. So Ghanaians are Gentiles, right? Afghanistans are Gentiles. Americans are Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew, in other words, is not, does not have Abraham as his grandfather, naturally speaking, is called a Gentile. Now, before Jesus came, there were two, the whole world was divided into two sections Jews and Gentiles. Jews knew God. Okay, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was known by Jews. And they were chosen by God to be the ones who bring the seed of promise that was given in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came into the garden and told them that he told the serpents that the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. Do you see? So Paul was, Paul, this Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. Okay? As someone who brings salvation to the Gentiles, preach salvation to the Gentiles. If you read in Galatians chapter 2 from verse 4, you see it. Look at Galatians 2 from verse 4. And that because of the false brethren, go to verse, go to, go to the next verse, verse 5, verse 6. Okay, so it says, but of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it make it no matter to me. Paul was being a little rude in speech. He was talking about Peter, James, and John in this particular scripture. He says, but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it make it no matter to me. I don't care. God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Next verse. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, the Gentiles were also called uncircumcision. Are you saying it? If you're a Gentile, you are also called uncircumcision. 
In other words, you were not Gentiles, were not, were not, were not circumcised. Do you understand circumcision? <laughs> Ask the closest guy by you, do you understand circumcision? Circumcision was the sign of being a Jew. Okay, that was a covenant that God ratified between himself and Abraham. So he says, but contrarywise, when they saw the gospel of the circumcision, the uncircumcision was committed unto me. In other words, the gospel that was to be taken to the Gentiles was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, or as the gospel unto the Jews was unto Peter. Next verse. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So he changes the word. It says, he was mighty in me. God was mighty in him towards the Gentiles. Hallelujah. I in the church. Now go back to the other place, Ephesians chapter 3. So Paul is talking as the apostle of the Gentiles. And he says that for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, for you Gentiles, for all those who are not Jews, if you have heard, if any Gentile has heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me towards you, Paul knew that there was a certain dispensation called the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. If you have heard of the dispensation of the gospel of, of the grace of God, which is given to me, toward you. Look at the next verse, verse 3. How that by revelation he made them unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few, in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul is saying that I'm writing these things so that when you read them, you will have understanding concerning the revelation that God gave to me for the purposes of the dispensation of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Understanding is very important. If you don't have understanding, you will have issues. There are a lot of Christians who are not living the Christian life. There are a lot of Christians who are living a fake life. They are living a fake Christian life. Should I say a fake Christian life? They are not living the Christian life. Actually. So, now that we are talking about grace, we are going to explain to you what Christianity actually is. Do you see? Uh, and if you, I, I, I'm praying for understanding for you. That you have clear understanding concerning what I'm going to tell you about. Because without understanding, you go in circles. You go in circles. A lot of children of God who are going in circles trying to find God. Not knowing that they already have God. They are depending on their feelings. But it's not about your feelings. If you understand exactly what has happened, then you would know. So Paul says that if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, as is given to me, committed to me, for you Gentiles, I have written it in few words, so that when you read it, you, un you understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. The Bible says that wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Then it says, and in all thy getting, get understanding. In all thy getting, get understanding. Okay? Get understanding. Understanding is key. If you have proper, a proper, and Paul's praying, he says, I'm writing so that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I'm writing to you so that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You may have understanding concerning the things that I'm writing to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, 
he mentions the dispensation of grace, isn't it? The word dispensation is oikonomia, the Greek word for the word dispensation in the Bible here. Verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, that word dispensation is oikonomia, it's spelled O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A, oikonomia, okay? Oikonomia, and that is the that is the Greek word from which we get the English word economy. Do you see? That is why this church is called Love Economy. So when you hear the word economy, I'm not talking about the economy of France or of Ghana. No, we are talking about this, the dispensation of of grace. Okay, and the word dispensation or oikonomia means a household management or man it means management basically okay management management of a house or management of a thing so if you've been to a pharmacy before sometimes they call them dispensing chemists they dispense drugs they give out drugs so when we say uh, dispensation. We are talking about giving something out. There's something that is being given out at a particular time. Please, do you understand? Yeah. yeah. So when you hear dispensation or economy, that should, that's what should come to your mind. It means we are giving something is being given out. Managing a household, giving something out to those in the household. Please, you get it. Managing a group of people and giving something in particular to them. Or the rules that govern a particular house, the rules that govern a particular time, the rules that govern a particular system. For instance, when they are giving the drugs, they let you know how you should take it. All that includes the dispensing. They let you know take it twice, three times daily. If you take it twice, one time daily, it is not going to work for you. If you don't function according to the rules, of the drug, you are not going to get your results, isn't it? In the same way, God has a, a household. God has his own household. If you read in chapter 2, what I said we're going to read earlier, if you read from verse 19, look at chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers. He's talking to, uh, to Gentiles. Remember Gentiles? He says, You are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So God also has a household. Are you in the church? God has a household and he has rules for managing his household. Rules for giving out what he's giving out in his household. Please you understand. Now God has had many households. They are different dispensations. They are different time frames with different rules and different regulations that God has used to manage humanity since time began. All of God's management, all of God's different managements or different dispensations is called the dispensation of God or the management of God. So if you read in Colossians chapter 1 verse 25, you see it there. Look at Colossians 1 25. This is it though, but just for the purpose of understanding, let's go up a little. Go to verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, 
and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Next verse. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. You see that same word appears here again. According to the dispensation of God. So the dispensation of God includes all the dispensations he has used over the time frame of man's existence on earth. For instance, the time that Adam lived in. When I talk about time, I'm not talking about chronological time. I'm talking about aeon, the era. Okay? The rules that governed Adam when he was here is different from the rules that govern us now in God's system. According to God. Please, you understand? Every school has its own way of doing things. If you go to College of Science, the way they manage themselves and the courses they teach is not the same as College of Social Science. Even though they, are, they all have science inside. Wow. They are not the same. They are all in KNUS, but it's different. Do you get it? You can choose to leave College of Science and go to Social Science, College of Social Science, and go and take the courses, then pass all the courses there. But you will not be graduated from the school. Because your name is not there. <laughs> your name, your index number is in College of Science. Please, you understand? So Adam's time frame, Adam's time in which he lived is different from our time. It's different from the time Moses lived in. And it's different from, sometimes people ask questions. Okay, so how is God going to judge the world? You know, because Moses them didn't know Jesus Christ. But now we know Jesus Christ. Our great-great-grandfathers didn't know Jesus. How, how is God going to judge? God has his own way of doing things. And I want to explain some to you. Because I'm mentioning dispensations, I want to explain to you. I'm, I'm trying to talk about the dispensation of grace and what matters most now. So that you can be at rest. Okay? So let's pick the first one. During Adam's time in the garden, Adam's time in the garden before he fell. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says that, go Genesis 1 26. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, male and female created he, them. Have you seen it? So when Adam was created and he was brought into the garden, how was God managing him? What was God saying to him? How was God, what was sent for Adam? Do you see? What, in every dispensation, God gives a particular rule to serve as a means of defining sin. Please, you get it. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I didn't want to go into details, but I think I should. Just to help you, okay? Let's, let's read Genesis 2, 15 first, and then we'll come to this one. Genesis 2, 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Have you seen it? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou, thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this was the rule that God gave to him. Adam's time is referred to as, as the dispensation of innocence or God consciousness. 
Adam only knew one person, he knew only God. And related to only God. If you've read your Bible, you see that the Bible mentions that in the cool of the day, God will come and have fellowship with Adam. Isn't it? So Adam was innocent. He was innocent of good and evil. He didn't know anything about it. Okay? So that dispensation, that time, that era, is called the era or the dispensation of innocence. He didn't know anything. And he was given a rule. What rule was that? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did he do? He ate it, isn't it? So he failed. Hallelujah. Now when he ate it and failed, he was plunged into another time, another era. He no longer, if, you, if you've read your Bible, go to chapter 3 now. You know about how the devil came in, he made the woman eat it. Because the woman didn't know the instruction. The woman didn't know the instruction. If you look at what you just read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said you shall not eat of, the, of, the, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Is this what God said? What did God say? God said, Don't eat. He didn't say, Don't touch it. Are you saying it? He never said you shouldn't touch it. He said, Don't eat it. Genesis 2 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that shall that, that thou what is the meaning of that? <laughs> For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was what God said. But the woman said that you will not eat it, and you will not even touch it, because even when you touch it, you will die. And Satan, the serpent plucked it and gave it to her to touch and said that, have you died? You didn't die. You touched it, you didn't die. Continue and eat it. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. You will not die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the food thereof, and she didn't die. And she did eat of it, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat it. Adam was there. Adam knew exactly what was going on. Adam was conscious. Adam knew the instruction God, that God gave. Adam knew God. He knew the devil. So Adam was not deceived. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 says that Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Adam knew exactly what was going on. He knew what was happening. That was why the instruction did not go to Eve. It went to Adam. So when Eve took of the fruit, nothing happened. Everything was fine. It was when Adam partook of it, then their eyes were opened. And when the woman saw, and so go back, go back to verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be, to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did it, and gave also unto her husband with her. The, the husband was there with her all the time. So women are not the problem of the world. It is man who is the problem of the world. Please stop worrying the ladies. It is not their fault at all. 
It's clear. The guy was there. Adam was there. He was seeing what that was happening. He didn't see anything. And he was quiet. And when the woman took it, nothing happened. You see? And she took up the food up and did eat. Did something happen? And she gave also to the husband. The man. And when the husband ate of it, then the eyes of them both were opened. Eve's, Eve's eyes did not open before the devil. It's not true. When Adam partook of it, then both of their eyes were open. So God gave them an instruction in the time in which they were living. And they forsook that instruction. So the time they were living in was different. They had God come in the cool of the day to visit them and all of that. We don't have God coming physically in the cool of the day to come and visit anybody anywhere. Do you see? So their time is different from our time. That was a period. It's called the dispensation of innocence. And they failed. They failed the test that God, was, that God gave to them. And when they failed, God did something. God killed an animal. Okay? And used the, cover, the cloth, the skin of the animal to cover them. Teaching them that from henceforth, if you want to come close to me, you have to shed blood. So if you go down, you see it. Verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was a mother of all living. And then he says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins. Have you seen it? The Lord God made what? Coats of skins and clothed them. He made coats of skins. How did he get the coats of skins? He slaughtered an animal and gave them the covering. Meaning that without the shedding of blood, there's no covering of sins. I've preached this in time past. When they sinned, they went to take fig leaves to cover themselves. Fig leaves represents the work of man, the works of man. They were trying to use their works to cover themselves. But when God came, he slaughtered an animal and used the covering of the animal to cover them. Letting them know that from henceforth, you have to slaughter, you have to shed blood in order for your sin. Because now they have been introduced to sin. They have been introduced to the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, good and evil are all on the same tree. There is not one tree for good, another tree for evil. Good and evil are in the same class. What is good in America? Maybe evil here. Do you see? Yeah, in America, they don't mind piercing and doing some things. But in Africa, what maybe, if you've read about ethics, you see that, you know, what is ethically good here it may not be ethically good in, in another country. It's different. Yeah. And right now, they are even pushing some more. But let's not go. That's not my message. I'm trying to talk about the dispensation of grace. So, do you understand innocence? So, after innocence, the next dispensation is the dispensation of sacrifice. Dispensation of what? All these dispensations are dispensations that God himself introduced. Or time frames that God himself introduced. So, all of it is called, they are all under the dispensation of God. In the dispensation of God, the first one is the dispensation of innocence. Adam experienced that. And Adam was cycled into the dispensation of sacrifice. That is why when Cain and Abel were, Cain and Abel were taught by Adam to sacrifice unto God. So they knew about sacrificing. So in Genesis chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel coming to sacrifice to God. Who taught them to sacrifice? Adam taught them because God had taught Adam. That this is the only means to come close to God. This is the only means to have to be pleasing to God. And in the dispensation of sacrifice, Cain failed and slaughtered the one who did not fail. <laughs> Hallelujah. So after the dispensation of sacrifice, okay, so who and who are in the dispensation of sacrifice? Cain and Abel and Adam himself. Okay. Then after that dispensation, so you see Genesis chapter 4. 
all you can read up to verse 16, you see everything. After dispensation of sacrifice, the dispensation of conscience. Is it conscience or human government? Conscience. The dispensation of conscience started. Where God left man to his conscience, for his conscience to rule him. Okay? So the conscience reigned until Noah came. Hallelujah. And during Noah's time in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that man's conscience had become so evil that all his imagination, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, all his imagination was evil continuously. So, I don't know if you get it. God gives an instruction at time, like, at this time, your conscience should rule you. At this time, in this particular period, it's a sacrifice that is reigning. At this time, it's innocence that is reigning. The first was innocence, the second was sacrifice, the third was conscience. And every time you see human beings going against what God has said and becoming so vile, God has to change it. Look at this. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And, the, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He was, he was every thought that he thought was evil continually. If you notice, you see that you don't see sacrifice. Nobody in, the, in that particular time was sacrificing anything to God. Do you see? So officially speaking, the dispensation of sacrifice ended after Cain and Abel. Cain was left to himself and everybody was left to themselves. But those who were still with God were still sacrificing to God. Okay? So officially speaking, it ended. But then unofficially speaking, almost every dispensation progresses into the other dispensation. Please, are you seeing what I'm talking about? So in the dispensation of God, there's the dispensation of innocence, then there's what? Sacrifice, and then conscience. There's a message. God saw that Human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagine evil, 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 evil from morning to night. Evil, evil, evil from morning to night. And God said that, listen, I regret it has pained me. And repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. God was surprised at man's evil. Can God be surprised? God cannot be surprised. But in human terms, it was very interesting for God. Like, wow, man is very wild. So God decided that I'm going to destroy everybody on earth. What was the rule for God clearing everybody? The rule for God clearing everybody was that you must live according to your conscience. And when he checked everybody's conscience, nobody's conscience was correct. Only one man called Noah. Do you see? So God cleared everybody and left only Noah. Noah entered the ark with his three sons and their wives and his wife himself. And after the flood, everybody was destroyed. After the flood, they came out after the flood. Now, when they came out, the first thing Noah did was to sacrifice to God. Meaning that even though the dispensation of sacrifice had ended, that knowledge, that wisdom had been communicated to humanity. And man knew how to get in touch with God. You get it? So in Genesis chapter 9, you see it. Okay, let's read chapter 8, verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Next verse. And the Lord smelled the sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Wow. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. God knows, like, man is not correct. Neither will I against might any more everything living as I have done. 
Next verse. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Next verse. That's chapter 9 verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This was another beginning. This was the same instruction God gave to Adam. And God gave the same thing to Noah because this was a new beginning altogether. Next verse. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the earth, of the air, and upon, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all that the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Next verse. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, everything. Eh? But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. In other words, something that is alive, you can't catch a live chicken, pluck the leg, and start chewing. The Gentiles were into that. The Gentiles were into eating blood. There are a lot of meals abroad that are actually done with the blood of animals. If you don't know, I'm telling you. But flesh, next verse, verse, verse 5. But surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. So God established another dispensation called the dispensation of human government. Where human beings were now to govern. I don't know if you've listened to all that we've been reading. But that's what it means. Okay? God said that every man, he says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. In other words, if you take a man's life, God will require his blood from you. So God decided, he says, Whoso shed a man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Do you see? Yeah. So that is why we have uh, corporal punishment. Yeah. You answer corporal punishment or capital punishment, which is death. So someone can kill somebody. They bring the person to court. The person who has killed the, uh, the other person to court. And the penalty is death. And they can hang you or kill you by electric <laughs> electrocution or by firing squad or anything. What? Drowning, all kinds of means. Injection, lethal injections. It's other human beings who are judging you. Who gave them that power? God. So human. So even though human government has ended, it has actually not ended. It has also trans, transgressed or gone into our normal life. Sacrifice has ended, but it is still inside humanity's way of doing things. But there's a chief one that always works at a particular time. So all those who lived in um, Noah's time were judged. And destroy because of their conscience. Because that was what was ruling. Let your conscience guide you. And they transgressed their conscience. Their conscience died. They were imagining evil, 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 evil every time. So God cleared everybody. God had every God was just to clear everybody. Why? Because they transgressed what he wanted them to do. Uh-huh. So, same with this one, human government. God sets, he says, Whoso shedded man's this Genesis 9 6, whoso shedded man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he for the image of God made he man. So man is very important to God. Now guess what? By chapter 10, this one had been broken already. As the human beings were growing on the earth, a man called Nimrod arose. And he became the governor of all the people who were there at that time. God's instructions for humanity, or what God told, you remember God told Noah to multiply, to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Man was supposed to fill all of the earth. Okay? 
By Genesis chapter 10, human beings had grown so much. Someone called Nimrod had risen. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, if you read this, this in the King James, you think that Nimrod was a very good person. And that he was doing good things. That he was hunting for God. Actually, the ISV and other versions will let you know. Who has ISV? International Standard Version. He became a fearless hunter in defiance of the Lord. He became what? In defiance of the Lord. So you see, so different from what is written here. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a fearless hunter in defiance of the Lord. He was a fearless hunter in defiance. What was he doing? Nimrod was killing anybody who decided to do what God wanted him to do. God's instruction was that they should fill the earth. They should multiply and fill the earth. They were supposed to go everywhere. But if you read in chapter 11, verse 1, you see, go to chapter 11, verse 1. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. I'm trying to explain the Bible for you in a very short space of time. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Next verse. And it came to pass on, it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. So all of them were in the east. Okay? Middle east to be specific. The cradle of life is from Middle East. <laughs> and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina. And there, and they dwelt there. Next verse. And they said one to another, Go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. Next verse. And they said, Go to let us build us a city and a town whose top may reach into heaven, unto heaven. And let us make us a name. Let us make us what? A name. It's only God's name that is supposed to be made, not human beings' name. Lest we be scattered abroad the face of the of the whole earth. What was God's plan? Spread across the face of the earth. But they said that we will not spread across the face of the earth. Who was leading them? Nimrod. And anybody who wanted to go was hunted down by Nimrod and killed by Nimrod. So human government was broken. The one who was in authority, the one who was in authority was now killing everybody. Who would want to do what God wants him to do? Please you get it. So he was a mighty hunter. So don't name your son Nimrod. It's a bad name. My wife told me of someone who had named their son Nimrod. Uh, they came to the hospital and they were calling him Nimrod. Nimi. <laughs> Nimrod. <laughs> it's a bad name. He was a mighty hunter in defiance against God. And actually, the tower, this was when we were building the Tower of Babel. We were building the Tower of Babel to get to heaven to ask God questions. Concerning why he had destroyed the earth earlier. The Tower of Babel is also called the Great Ziggurat. It was a very interesting, uh, it was called the Gates, uh, the Gates of Hades. You know, they, they allowed it to, they allowed the devil, they allowed falling angels to come and come and teach them how to do things against God. So evil started coming on the earth again. So God had established human government, but someone was killing people and nobody could judge him. His name was Nimrod. And everybody who was with him was doing that as well. So even though human government was functioning, a wicked man had arisen. So God called one person out of that land where Nimrod and all those people were called Abraham. So Abraham was called out of the land of the Chaldeans or the Chaldeans in Uru of the Chaldeans. You are Uru out of the land. 
and a new dispensation. God started a new dispensation called the dispensation of promise. God called Abraham and gave him a promise. So, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, you see it there. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. This is a promise. This is what God told him. And then God told him that the promise is to you and to your seed. Okay? Now, if you've noticed, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible mentions how that the seed of the woman, Satan manifested himself in a serpent, isn't it? And God told the woman that your seed shall crush the head of the serpent. A woman does not have seed. The devil got to know that a virgin will conceive. What it means is that a virgin will conceive. Now, for that virgin to, be con- to conceive a child, the child who will come out of the virgin will be the one to destroy me. Therefore, I'll make sure that that child is never born. And I'll, I'll do that by corrupting humanity as much as I can. Do you see the plan of the devil? God had his own plans. He too has his own plans. His own plans. So he started corrupting. So everything that God brings, then he'll corrupt it. Okay? Who's dead came up to kill Abel? Who? The devil. The devil. Who stirred up humanity to become evil continuously? The devil. He's not shown, but he's the one who is behind it. Okay? Then, who stirred up Nimrod to fight against God? Is the devil. So every dispensation or every government that God brings, you see the devil coming in to try and destroy. And then God starts a new one. So God started one with Abraham called the dispensation of what? Promise. So he's looking at in the dispensation of God, the first one is the dispensation of what? If you understand these things, you understand the Bible a little bit more. So we have the dispensation of innocence, that is the time of Adam. Then Adam sinned and cycled into the dispensation of sacrifice. Okay? Cain and Abel were in the dispensation of sacrifice. Because it failed, God started another one called the dispensation of what? Of conscience. Human conscience was to rule. And it failed. Only Noah qualified. Do you see? Yeah. Uh-huh. The devil brought angels to come and sleep with the, with the daughters of men to corrupt the, the, the seed of humanity. So Noah was clear in two things. Clear both in conscience and also in, in bloodline. Noah was the only one whose blood had not mixed with the blood of the giants. There were others like that. There were others whose blood had not mixed with the blood of others. That was why God allowed him to preach to them for 120 years. But their conscience was not correct. So their conscience was not allowing them. Their, their conscience was full of evil throughout. So God cleared all of them. Okay? Even Ham was affected by, by his conscience. That was why when they came out of the, the ark, after all the beautiful things, they were the only ones there. He betrayed his father. He went to show his nakedness. He went, took pictures, and put them on Facebook. <laughs> For everybody, for his brothers to see. And when the fathers woke up, nobody told him to check Facebook. He just woke up and knew that something bad has happened in the atmosphere. He started cursing the, the son called Ham. Hallelujah. Noah was not like the professor of today. Eh? There are some prophets who go on Facebook and go and check people's statuses and all of that. Then they come and prophesy it in church. It's not easy. Come and mention people's names. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So. 
God had that seed still in mind. That is why he brings real dispensation, so that he can bring his seed at the time he wanted to bring the seed. So the dispensation of promise started with Abraham. So Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the sons of Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, were all in the dispensation of promise. So all of them were in the dispensation. So you see them doing a lot of foolish things, but God is not minding them. Have you read the Bible before? Let me share a story with you. One day, two of, okay, one of Jacob's daughters, Jacob had daughters, but daughters were not counted at that time. They didn't count too many. So he didn't mention them. They only mentioned the sons. He had 12 sons, but he had daughters. One of his daughters was called Dinah. Dinah. Her bottoms were big, fine. Her hips were in shape. Her breasts were all over. And she was just moving around in the system like that. Yes. It's not easy. She was just moving in the system. And there was a prince. I don't know if you want us to read that. I'm, I'm, I'm just mentioning it, okay? There was a prince of a place. Of one of the places in the land of Canaan. I think Shechem, who, yeah, and Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bore unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hevite, yeah, the boy is called Shechem, and he was the son of Hamor, the Hevite, prince of the country, he was a prince. When he saw her, he couldn't resist. He couldn't control himself. He just took her and finished her. He lay her with her and defiled her. It was a defilement. So the girl went home crying. It was not a good story at all. Then the boy said, Oh, I'm sorry for what I have done. In my country, this is normal. I didn't know that it's not normal for you people. Oh, because I didn't know. I want to marry your daughter. I want to marry. So he came to come and see Jacob that he wants to marry the daughter. And Jacob said, Oh, no problem. You can marry my daughter. You can come and carry her away. The guy said, We even want to be part of you people. We have heard of Israel, how that you are chosen of God. We want to be part of you and be part of your country. Then the sons of Jacob said that, listen, before you can be part of us, the sign that you are one of us is circumcision. So all of you, all the old people, everybody needs to be circumcised if you are going to be part of us. So Shechem, who was an, an elderly man with his father and everybody in their house, everybody in their country was circumcised. They went around circumcised, and those times they didn't have proper knives. I mean, okay, just take their turn and they just cut like that. It's not easy. And so if you really you see, they said we cannot give our, 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 our sister out unless he's circumcised. And like, so they circumcised the whole country. At the peak of the height of their pain, these two sons of Jacob. Go to the next verse. verse this is Genesis 34. Next verse. Verse 16. Then we give our daughter. Next verse. But if you will not. Next verse. I've said all this right now. And they always please Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. 25. And the young man deferred not to do the thing because he had, he had the light in Jacob's daughter and he was more, blah, blah, blah. 20. And Hamor, 25. Go to 25. So, in the height, and it came to pass on the third day when they were sore, when the sore was painful, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, these two boys, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's direct brothers, you see, the same mother, same father, they were the same mother. They took each man his sword 
and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. They killed every single man. You see, they, because they were in pain. I mean, if they have cut things like that. Even if you want to, when you are trying to fight, you do this, you can't move. So they were just there like that. And they killed all of them. They killed everybody in one country. They killed every, all the males. And they took their wives and their children for slaves. Next verse. And they slew Hamor and Shechem his son with the edge of the sword. And took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. Just because their sister had been defiled. Wicked boys. <laughs> Next verse. They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and, and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. And all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took their captive and spilled even all that was in the house. They killed all the guys, took all the children and all the wives as slaves and carried them away. They destroyed everything. Next verse. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, when Jacob heard it, he said, you have troubled me. To make me to stink among the inhabitants of the, of the land, among the Canaanites and the, the Perizzites. And I, and I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed. I am my house. Jacob said, You guys have troubled me seriously. Because of what you have done, they didn't do it with their father's permission. No. Their father knew that we have made peace. They have done circumcision. We are waiting after seven days, everything will be fine. They come and carry the lady, and everything will be fine. That was their father's uh, thought in the night. They finished things, everybody. On the third day, they just want to do their own thing. So, actually, when you see, sometimes you think God has forgotten something, but He hasn't really forgotten. In in the day when Jacob was going to die, He called the sons, and then He cursed Levi. He cursed Simeon. Levi had become a, was going to be a priest, so he didn't mind it. But Simeon, He said that you, it's okay. You let me know. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Something happened. I just wanted to see how God... So God treated them very differently. Even though they didn't have good conscience and all of that. Because he had chosen them and was preserving them for the purpose of the seed. He treated them separately. And he said, should he deal with our sisters? They were not even repentant. Look at how I replied. Should he deal with our sister like that? Like an harlot? Do you think our sister is a harlot? We have done. We, are, yeah, 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 we have done. We have done. <laughs> So God, God had to come in. God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Next verse. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you. They even have strange gods. And be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God. So he, God is showing him what to do in order to be safe. Who answered me in the day of my distress and with me in the way which I went? Next verse. And they gave unto Jacob all the strangers. Next verse. Next verse. And they journeyed. And so when Jacob set up the, the, the altar and took their gods and buried their gods, and they journeyed. And the terror of God was upon the cities that were run about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. This is how God protected them. For what they, after the thing they had done, God protected because he was in. He had made a promise to Abraham, and he was not going to break that promise. What promise was that? By you shall the seed, my seed, come. And the seed could have come through any of the twelve tribes. So he needed to preserve everybody. He needed to preserve all of Jacob's children and all everybody, including those who had done that wrong thing. So the terror of the Lord fell upon the cities round about them. 
The same city Jacob was afraid of. The terror of God fell upon them, so they couldn't chase them. Everybody forgot what had happened. And they were afraid to touch them. Can you imagine? So as the years went by, when Israel became a lot, okay, those to whom the promise had been given, those who were functioning under the dispensation of promise, were becoming so many and becoming lawless. So God chose someone called Moses. All of Israel had gone into Egypt to be slaves. They went to Egypt as free men. But as the years went by, when Joseph died, they went to Egypt because of Joseph. When Joseph died and after many pharaohs, the pharaoh who came later on, for God didn't know about Joseph and about Israel. He thought that Israel was slaves, so he made Israel slaves. So in Exodus chapter 1, you see it there, how Israel was hardly, harshly treated by Egypt. Okay? And in that harshness, Moses was born. When Moses was born, they killed a lot of Moses' classmates. So Moses didn't have classmates. <laughs> killed all of them. He was one of the only, he was the only one who survived, actually. So he didn't have any age mate. And he found himself in Pharaoh's daughter's house. And he grew up there. And he, he brought, ultimately speaking, he brought Israel out of Egypt, isn't it? And about three million people came out of Egypt with, with, with uh, Moses. And as they went, God gave them a law by the hands of someone called Moses. Okay? Now, so what was happening to the rest of the world? To the rest of the world, God had forgotten about them. The camera was not on them. Their conscience was still functioning. Okay? Human government was still functioning. They were into strange gods, they were into all kinds of things. They were called aliens when it comes to the commonwealth of God and when it comes to the promise of God. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, you see it. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. The whole world was divided into two. Gentiles and then Jews. The Jews had the law, and the Gentiles were without the law. So what are the dispensations? The first one is what? Second one. Third one. Fourth one. Fifth one. Promise. Sixth one. The law. Okay? And the law ruled in Israel for 1,500 years. For 1,500 years. Is it 1,500 years? Yes. For 1,500 years, the law was in the system. And you know about the law. Next week, I'm going to talk about grace and law into details. But let me read these things to you. From verse 11, please. Wherefore, remember that ye be in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called what? Uncircumcision, uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. Who are called the circumcision? Who are the circumcision? The Jews. The Jews, right? Yeah. Who are the uncircumcision? The Gentiles. Everybody who was not a Jew. If you were not a Jew, you were not after the promise. And hence, you did not have the law of God. And hence, you were not part of God's commonwealth or God's household that he was managing. All the Gentiles were outside. Look at So he says, Who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Next verse, let's solve. That at that time you were without Christ. Christ had not been manifested, but they had nothing to do with the coming of Christ. Do you get it? Yeah. That's what it means. It says you were without Christ. You had nothing to do with it. Being aliens, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. So all Gentiles had no hope. <laughs> and without God in the world. So this was how the Gentiles were. And the opposite is true for all Jews at that time. 
Why did God do it like that? So that he can save everybody. Okay? Hmm. Next verse. Then it says, but now in Christ Jesus. I'll come to this. We have not yet gotten to this place. So after the dispensation of the law, the law reigned for 1,500 years. Okay? And the law served the purpose. The law was for, who had the law? Who had the people who had the law? Did the Gentiles have the law? The Gentiles don't have the law. The Gentiles were left to live by their conscience. And whoever allowed his conscience to rule his life, okay, had something happening to him. Romans chapter 2. You love your Bible? Are you surprised all these things are in the Bible? I'm trying to talk about grace. Okay? Let's read from hmm, Kalo Radavai. We can read the whole of chapter 2, but we don't have time, so I will not read everything. Let's read from uh, 12, eh? 12 will do. 12. Look at this. It says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Who are those who do not have the law? So all the Gentiles who sinned. Now, what was the qualification of sin? Because they didn't have any law. Did they have a law? There was no law given to them. So what made... If there is no law, then you can't know what sin is, isn't it? Uh -huh. But their conscience, it will show you as we go. Their conscience was accusing them or... Okay, let's go. It says, for as many as have sinned without law, shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law, shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God. It says, it is not those who just hear the law. All of Israel heard the law. And we're hearing the law continuously every week. It says, it is not the hearers that are just before God. It is not those who just hear that are righteous before God. No. But the doers of the law shall be justified. And guess what? It was not possible to keep the law. <laughs> next verse. I'll show you that next week. Then it says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, so that God, <laughs> God puts something in them. Conscience. Your conscience can let you know. You don't need anybody to tell you that something is wrong. Your conscience can tell you that this thing is wrong. You took someone's wife. It is wrong. You may not know any law that says that shall not take another man, that shall not commit adultery and covet another man's wife. But your conscience will tell you. Do you get it? Yeah. Because God is the God of the universe. Okay? And he has made himself known. He has not left himself without knowledge. So even those who do not have the law, by nature, so says, for when the Gentiles which have not the law, do by nature, their nature taught them, they are by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Have you seen it? Yeah. So, all those who were outside of the law, who were living outside of Israel, and lived according to a good conscience, are declared just before God. Please, you understand? Yeah. Next verse. Which showed the work of the law written in their heart. It's a show that the law, are written, the law was written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing them what? Bearing witness. Their conscience bear witness to the law. And their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. 
Are you saying it? So this is how God is going to judge all those who were who came before Jesus Christ. If you were Jew, you'll be judged according to the law. If you were Gentile, you'll be judged according to your conscience. God knows what he's doing. He's a big man. He's wise. Next verse. BBA. 15. BBA. Because the work of the law is seen in their hearts, or we should read from, it's fine. Because the work of the law is seen in their hearts, their sense of right and wrong, giving witness to it, while their minds are at one time judging them and at another giving them approval. So, your mind can judge you and tell you that, ah, this is not your doing wrong. If you respond to what your mind is telling you, you'll be fine. But if you don't respond to what your mind is telling you, then you are not fine. You have transgressed. Please, you get it. Next verse. In a day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. This is another thing, but, but I hope you understand. So, the law rules and reigned over Israel. And it was refer- the law was referred to as a schoolmaster. Galatians chapter 3. The law is given for a purpose. Now, nobody could do the law. I've shared this with you on so many occasions. There is no way any human being born of a woman can keep the law. It's not possible. It's not possible. Because the law had, apart from the Ten Commandments, there were 600 customary, oral and customary laws. Do you know 600? Yeah. How can you keep on the 610? It's not going to work. When you are trying to keep this one, this one will corner you. Do you get it? Keep your finger in Galatians 3. Go to Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Look at this. Therefore, by the deeds, let's read BBE. I think it will be easier. Because by the works of the law, by what? The works of, by doing the law, by the works of the law, no man is able to have righteousness in his eyes. No man. Why? For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law comes the knowledge of what? Sin. So even the Jews who claim that they were close to God because of the law were actually very far away from God. Because they couldn't do. Oh, I'm not the one saying it says there shall no flesh. Nobody. Let me read some things from, from Romans chapter 7 for you. Concerning the law. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. I'll go into details about this. I'm just trying to introduce the whole thing to you. And then pick it up. I'll pick just law and grace and go into details for you. Okay? And then pick grace and set law and grace for you proper, proper. So that you can understand it very well. Remember, this is what everybody, depending on which dispensation you find yourself in, you live according to the laws, the rules that function in that dispensation. And in the dispensation of grace, so after the law, another dispensation came called the dispensation of grace. And it was introduced by Jesus Christ. I'll talk about it. Okay? It says, this is Romans chapter 7 verse 1. It says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Have you seen it? It says, as long as you are living. Hmm. We go to verse 5. But when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Look at this. It says, go back, go back. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, the motions of sins, which were by what? The law. We don't understand. Amplify. Let's see what Amplified will say. 
When we're living in the flesh, mere physical lives. So Paul is remembering how he was before he became born again. He says, well, when we were living in the flesh, when we're just living in our mere physical, mere physical lives, the sinful passions that were awakened and aroused by what? Oh, he says, the sinful passions that were awakened and aroused by what the law makes sin were constantly operating in our natural powers in our bodily organs, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, so that we bore fruit to death. Who, who brought sin up? What brought sin? The law. So the law is a precipitator of sin. <laughs> um, uh, message. For as long as we lived that old way of life, doing whatever we thought we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law could hemmed us in. Maybe you don't. Let me show you some more. Oh. Go, go back to King James. Let me read all, the whole thing. It's nice. I'm just trying to show you how the law was. Okay? And why, even if someone was a Jew, it wasn't really a big deal. When it comes to, it was a big deal, but it wasn't really a big deal when it comes to righteousness. And sin. They were not so different from the Gentiles. If you check Israel, there was a time when Israel had no king. There was a time when Israel had no king. Do you know what happened in Judges? Judges chapter 10. I'll find it for you. A man, a Levite, who had a concubine. He had wives, but he had a concubine. The concubine got angry and left to the father's house. And the Levite went to the, fa- the girl's father's house to go and tell the father to give back the girl to him. And the father gave back the girl to him. On his way to, to, to his place, to his house, the way was too far, so he got to a certain town and he gave, he was received by somebody. He was sitting under a tree with the lady. And some, an old man came to see him and said, oh, why, you can't spend the night here, let's go to my house. When he got to his house, the people in that city, who were gay, a lot of them were gay, came to bang on his door that they want the man who just came into the house. And the priest, the Levites came out and said that, you are surprised this is in the Bible, it's in the Bible, I'll show it to you. The priest came out and said that, is there, okay, Judges chapter 19. Yeah, this is it, Judges chapter 19. The priest came out and said, I, I, the, the, the man said, I can't give you the guy, the man. Then the priest said, okay, you can have my concubine. And they raped the concubine throughout the night. Everybody, the whole town, everybody raped the the, the woman. So she, in the morning, when they opened the door, when the Levites opened the door of this stranger's house in which he was, he saw the lady there, dead. And he took the lady, put put her on a camel, and then took him to his house. And chopped the lady into pieces, into 12 pieces. And distributed it to all the tribes of Israel. That look at what this tribe has done. It was one of the tribes. I've forgotten it. Yeah. And Israel, I'm just trying to let you know that Charlie, <laughs> evil eh, is rife in man's heart. Whether he's Jew or Gentile. Makes no difference. Everybody needs Jesus. <laughs> you can read it for yourself. Judges chapter 90 goes all the way to chapter 20. And they, so all the tribes of Israel gathered against this particular tribe, Benjamin. I think it was the tribe of Benjamin, one of them. Which one is it? Check for me. 
And her Lord arose morning, blah, blah, concubine, was falling down at the door of the house, and her hands were upon the threshold. 29. And when he was coming to the, he took a knife and laid hold on the concubine and divided her together with the bones into 12 pieces and sent it into all the coasts of Israel. Next verse. And it was so that all that saw it said, there was no much, there was so, no much, there was no such deed done, no, blah, blah, blah. I want to see the tribe that did that. I've forgotten. So see if you can find it. So guess what? Guess what? All the 11 tribes of Israel gathered against this one tribe. And they fought. And the first day, I think about 100,000 people died. Over this matter. They fought her and killed all the tribe, the other tribe. Almost everybody in that tribe. All the males in that tribe. Do you get it? And after fighting and killing everybody in that, almost everybody in that tribe, they now said that, oh, it's like we've killed everybody in that tribe. What are they going to do? How can they live? How can they have children? And how can their wives, how can the men that are left, they have some men that are left, it's the tribe of Benjamin, yeah. And they labored the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came into Gibeah that belonged to Benjamin, and I'm, I am my congregant to Lord. So it's the tribe of Benjamin. They killed everybody, almost everybody. Can you imagine? Guess what? About a million people died around this war. After the war, there were some few men of Benjamin that was left. And guess what? That Israel said that, oh, how would they get wives? And how would they? We have almost killed our brothers. Oh, everybody, oh, they are brothers. Oh, we have killed them. Power. Okay, what can, where can they get wives to, to marry? Okay, where can they get wives? Where can they get Okay, there, are some, there were some ladies who were coming to come and worship God in Jerusalem from some of their tribes who were virgins there was a there was a feast for virgins to come and come and to come and come and worship god then they told the men who were left after the war that they can take any of the women in there any of the virgins that come for the feast so the men of benjamin went to go and grab so many of them and took them home to remind to them and they told those the families from which the ladies come from that they shouldn't say anything about what has been done. That if they have taken your daughter, they have taken your daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the men of Israel have sworn the Mishpah saying, There shall not any man of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. Next verse, verse 2. And the people came to the house of God and abode there till evening before God and lifted up their voices and wept so. Next verse. And said, Oh Lord, blah, blah. go, you will see. You'll be surprised. Verse 12. Go to verse 12. Are you surprised this is in the Bible? Yes. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins that had known no man by lying with any male. And they brought them into the, onto the camp of to Shiloh, which is the land of Canaan. Continue. And the whole congregation sent some to speak to the children of Benjamin that were in the rock Rimon and to call peaceably unto them. And Benjamin came again at that, at that time and they gave them wives which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. And yet so, they sufficed them not. They were not enough. They took all the 400 and still it was not enough. Can you imagine? This is, how, this is Israel. <laughs> so, are, are they sinning? Are they doing something wrong? Is something wrong? It started with the people who came to make the request to use a man. From the, even from the Levites. It's not a small thing. He chopped the wife into pieces. All kinds of, and all this is standing in Israel. So Israel was a powerful nation, but when it comes to sin, they are they are not correct. They are human, they are human. The law only precipitated what was in so 
even though the law, the law was the purpose of the law was to reveal to humanity that you are all not correct. The fact that you are a Jew does not mean anything. You need Jesus. You need some. You need the Savior. So Romans chapter three says it very well, very nicely. I said all this just to help you understand some of these things in the Bible. Look at Romans chapter three. Look at verse nine. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you're reading for. It's nice. It's all there. Well, this understanding you can understand the scriptures very well. Romans chapter. Look at from verse one. Let's read from verse one. Then we'll just jump into verse nine. What advantage then? What advantage then has a Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? What? Because everybody is not correct. So what is the advantage? Then he says, much in every way. Next verse. Much in every way. Chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So the law is called the oracles of God. It's called logia zonta. It means lively oracles. Oracles that was impregnated with life. The law represents the lawgiver. The law represents God. God gave it. It's God. But the law could not give anybody life. So the law, very powerful, but it can't give life. Go to chapter 7. Keep your finger here. Look at verse 7. He says, what shall we then, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. The law is not sin. The law is... Hmm? Look at verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. This is the, the law, as for the law on this one, it's very powerful. It's good. But the problem of the law is that it couldn't give anybody life. Do you see? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin but by the law. For I have not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not what? Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, go back to chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Let me just finish this thing up, okay? Verse 2. Go back to verse 2. Much in every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? What if some of the Jews did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sins, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous? Whom taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God has more has more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported, as some come affirm that we see, let us do evil and good may come. Whose damnation is just? Okay, verse 9. All this it means something, but I can't explain it to you, to you right now. What then? Are we better than they? Are we better than the Jews? Paul Are we better than the Gentiles? Paul was a, a Gentile. Was a Jew and was talking about Jews and Gentiles. Says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under what? Is it true from what we've read so far? Next verse. As is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. As long as you are Jew and you are Gentile. Makes no difference who you are. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become what? Unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Not one. Their throat, everybody, Jew Gentile, their throat is an is as an open sepulchre. Do you know sepulchre? Graveyard. With their tongues, they have used deceit, the poison of asps, serpents. 
is under their lips. Someone can lie and you'll be so, Do you know white lie? <laughs> white know how to lie. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Whites. Whites know how to you can't you don't we don't lie much in Africa. Whites know how to lie. There was a lady who lied that three guys raped her. And they executed all the three guys. And when she was 90, she came to confess that it was not true. She was 19 when it happened. When she turned 90, then she came to say all that she said at that time was wrong. That's this particular story that has repeated this up so many times. There are so many black guys who are oh, you there be there. White life, be there. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Humanity. Are, everybody's feet is swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. There is no fear of God before their eyes, Jew or Gentile. Now we know that what things soever the Lord said is here to them who are under the law. Hmm? What things over the, the Lord says here to those who are where? For what purpose? So that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So this is the reason why the law is given. The Lord, God gave the law to show everybody their heart, to show Jews who God brought close their heart. So that the Gentiles will know, oh, now more Christ we are close and we are correct. And they say, we are all not correct. Everybody is correct. And all the world may become what? Guilty before God. I see. So that humanity will try out for a savior. So verse 20 says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, by the doings of the law, Hmm? Therefore, by what? The by the doings of the law, there shall no flesh, there shall no, no human being shall be justified. Do you understand justified? Last year I taught it. Justified to justify means to declare not guilty or to declare righteous. Nobody shall be declared righteous before God's sight. Why? For by the law. For by what? The law, the law is the knowledge of sin. The law brings you the knowledge of sin. So actually, God gave the law so that he can declare everybody guilty. So that everybody can cry out for a savior called Jesus Christ. So guess what? In John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says that, look at John 1 14. And the word was made flesh. Where did the word come from? John 1 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Next verse. He was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. Next verse. All things were made by him. And without the word was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Jump to verse 14. Since this word became what? And the word which was with God became flesh, was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory. That word which became flesh is called Jesus Christ. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace. Full of what? Full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Full of grace. The word truth is aletheia. It means reality. All that had come was not the real thing. He was a one who was full of grace. What is grace? Grace is God at work. What is reality? Reality is God himself. All the law and everything that had happened was shadows. Now the reality had come. Full of grace and truth. Next verse, verse 15. John bear witness of him and cried. Next verse, verse 16. 
of his fullness have all we received of whose fullness? Of Jesus' fullness, of the fullness of the word, have we all received? Have we all lambanoed and grace for grace? He's a carrier, he's full of grace, and he's the distributor of grace. Grace upon grace, gift upon gifts, goodness upon goodness, God upon God. Next verse, verse 17. For the law was given by Moses. The law was what given by Moses. They, it was imposed on them, it was given to them. But grace and truth came. Grace and truth is what came. It, the word came there is uh, 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 it means to come into existence. Grace and truth came into existence by Jesus Christ. So when Jesus appeared on the scene, when he was born in that manger, that was grace, the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth and reality are born there and then. So that humanity can have a break. And so that humanity can have God work for them. So the day Christ came, grace came. If you want to know when grace came, grace came to the earth. The word came, that, that's what I'm trying to, that word came there, let me show you the Greek word. Yeah, genomai. And it means to come into existence. Grace and truth came into existence by Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ. Grace and reality came into existence by Jesus Christ. So when Christ died and he rose again, grace, the dispensation of grace started when Christ died and rose again from the dead. Then God started dealing with humanity in another way altogether. How many of you want to know more? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, today there are some Jews who still think that they are thinking in a certain way but they only need Jesus you cannot do it by the law it's not possible it's not possible grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ and without grace Paul said that the dispensation of grace has come and I have been made a minister to minister this grace hmm if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given unto me toward you, to you what? There's a dispensation of grace. And now, God is working. Man is resting. You cannot obey God in your own strength. It's not possible. It is impossible. It's not possible and it cannot happen. It's not possible and it cannot happen. <laughs> you can try very hard, but it won't work. You know why. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Grace and truth. Has come by Jesus Christ. Do you want to know more? Yeah. Should I go should I just add some two things to it? Yeah. Grace came by Jesus. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. So actually, God is looking at things very differently now. A whole new dispensation has begun. And it began almost 2,000 years ago when Christ died and was buried and rose again. Look at this. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul talking. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Next verse. Who has saved us? 
God who has what? Who saved us? God, right? God who has saved us. Did we save ourselves? Who saved us? Saved us from what? From sin, from death, from sickness, from the law, from every bad thing you can think about. Who did save us? Who did the saving? God. It says, God who has saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our works. There's nothing you can do to gain favor before God, to gain righteousness before God, to gain holiness before God, to gain right. There's nothing you can do to gain anything before God. Why? Because God has already done it. In Christ Jesus. So you see that you are you are you are like ah. Because that's not what you heard. What you heard was that some has been done. The rest you need to do it. You need to become pleasing to God. You need to no, you are pleasing to God. Because of Jesus' work. He says, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us, where? In Christ Jesus, before the world began. Before the world began. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. To which that God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing there. So when Jesus came on the scene, grace and truth had appeared. For of his fullness have we all received grace and for grace. When Jesus was moving around, that was grace moving. He was full of grace. Full of grace and reality. He is a reality. Every other thing is a shadow. And guess what? God was in him. God was in Christ Jesus. Doing what? Reconciling. You understand reconciling? It means bringing back. Making friendship. Bringing into friendship with himself. God was in Christ. God was at work in Christ. There was a day God worked. When was the day when God worked? When God, you see there was a day God finished his work, isn't it? And said that everything was beautiful. Everything was nice. He stopped working at that time. There was another time he started working again. And that time, the next time he started working again was in Christ Jesus. Just for, to wait that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed us unto us the word of reconciliation. God is not criticizing any man anymore. Why? Because he has brought grace and truth. So we are in a time where the only, the only law that God requires from you, the only thing God requires for you to do, is to rest. <laughs> Yet Christians cannot rest. You want to do something. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved. Through what? So there's only one thing that is required faith. Faith. Believing. Believing in what? Believing in what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. It is already done. There's nothing that God is going to do again. God has already finished everything. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. It was finished. Sin has been dealt with. Shame has been dealt with. Sickness has been dealt with. Poverty has been de dealt with. Death has been dealt with. Every single thing that is an enemy for humanity has been dealt with by Jesus Christ. Because God was in Christ. We concerning the world unto himself. Yeah. Now you have to learn to rest. Rest. 
in his grace. Rest in what he has done. And agree with what he has done. This is the, this is the only law you have to keep. Stop struggling. For by grace I saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. This is the what is the what? The gift of God. Next verse, verse 9. Not of works. Not of, the law will tell you to do things. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt. Thou shalt not. The Lord is always telling you to do something or not to do something. Not grace. He says the law was given. The law is given to you. It can't help you. But grace and truth comes to you to come and help you. Grace and truth was the purpose of coming to you to come and help you. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. Romans, book of Romans. You know Romans. Chapter 4. Let's read from verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? What did Abraham find in his life? For if Abraham were justified by works, do you understand justification? To declare righteous. God called Abraham righteous. Declared him not guilty before him. Abraham could walk with God. Abraham was called a friend of God. Oh, How did Abraham become a friend of God? What did Abraham do? Did Abraham obey the Ten Commandments? Did Abraham... What did he do? What did Abraham do? Ask your neighbor, what did Abraham do? Do you know the foolish things Abraham did? Read about Abraham, you will see that you are, you are even better. <laughs> I tell you. For if Abraham were justified by works, if he was justified by works, then he has something to glory of. But not before God. Not before God. Let's read lighter version. I don't know which version can see it nicer. For if Abraham got righteousness by works, he has reason for pride. But not before God. Certainly not before God. Because you can't have pride before God. Next verse. For the scripture tell, tell us, Abraham believed God. What did Abraham do? What did Abraham do? So what must you do? That's all. Believe in what he has done. Believe in what God has done in Christ for you. That's all. That's it. Tell anybody that's it. In our that. Can you, can you trust what God is saying in this word? <laughs> yeah, so all of your Christian life, you should trust what God has said. And rest. In what God did in Christ. That is, great. That is the only rule in grace. Rest. Hmm? Tell about hmm? Rest. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Next verse. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Is it true? When you do your work and they give you your pay. Is it a gift? You work and you got the gift. You got whatever. It's not a gift. But something they have earned but people are counted as righteous not because of their work but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners <laughs> what others are struggling for God has done he says just believe that I've done it what is your problem what a dispensation it's the nicest place to be if this one you don't qualify in this one we don't know where you qualify again next verse 6 David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. The happiness. Charlie, be happy. Yeah. Hmm. You accept that before God. Yeah. You believe it. Yeah. 
You are not you are not accepted before God because of some things you do or do not do. It's not your prayers that gets you close to God. It's not your fasting that gets you close to God. <laughs> Someone says any ever day. My pillow, my pride. Listen, finish let finish sharing all the series. Then you can understand. Okay? I've just said up to a point. I have is it four nights more? Yeah. I have four nights more. Yeah. Four nights more. So it says David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Verse 7. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. <laughs> oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. This is the disposition we are living in. Next verse. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. See, I'm functioning in grace. I'm living in the dispensation of grace. I'm living in the time of grace. Not in the time of the law. So I will not use my works to get favor with God. You know, sometimes you come to church and you're feeling good because you have done something good during the week. That's wrong. That's wrong. Another person also comes to church feeling bad because she he or she did something bad during the week. No. We are not accepted before God because of our, our good or our bad. We are accepted before God because of somebody. His name is called Jesus Christ. He's the most important person you can think about. That is why some people have difficulty praying for healing. They don't think God will heal them. Actually, God even healed you a long time ago on the cross of Calvary. Your healing, your, your rise to healing is not because of your good works. Remember, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Our salvation is not of works. And guess what? Everything you ever need in your life is in salvation. Salvation is the work of God in Christ. And salvation is not just giving your life to Christ. Salvation is deliverance from poverty, from sickness, from disease, from death, from every bad thing you can think about. Everything that you can have in your life has been obtained for you in Christ Jesus. And it is inside the salvation package. So I'm going to change the way you've been thinking all this. I've been saying it, but you've not been hearing me. So now I want to settle on it proper, proper for you. And teach you from one. <laughs> and teach you from precept to precept and line upon line. So that you can be free to live for God. Rise up on your feet and thank God for what I shared with you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.